So one of the signs of a codependent relationship is the attempt to rescue the other person. This is something that a lot of us have gone through. I know I have. When it comes to a codependent relationship with a narcissist and cussing personality, this is one of the things that's going to be happening a lot. So this is part of the theme of the relationship. One of the things that we're going to find in a codependent relationship with a narcissist and cussing personality is the rescuing or at least attempting to rescue him or her. So a big part of the theme of the relationship is the attempt to rescue the other person. Narcissists and cluster personality types, they don't take responsibility for anything that they do, feel, or think during the relationship. It's always somebody else's fault. So let's just say, for instance, the cluster personality or the narcissist, they go out and they drink, and they drink a little bit too much. They may end up in jail. Yeah, they're probably going to call you to bail him or her out. The cluster personality and the narcissist, they don't want you to challenge them to think about the things that they put in motion that landed them in jail. That's a no-no. <laughs> and the narcissist and cluster personalities book, that's a no-no. No, they just want you to bail them out. They want you to rescue him or her. So this is a big part of a theme that goes on in a codependent relationship with narcissists and cluster personalities. They're going to set things up or a scenario up, whereas you will feel like you're obligated to, to rescue, if not save him or her. They don't take responsibility for what they do. So if you are a person who behaves codependently, or if you have been groomed since your childhood to rescue other people, this is what's gonna play out in a codependent relationship with a narcissist and cluster personality. Demanding, highly emotional, seductive. Here are some of their tactics. Speaks over others. Interrupts conversations. A chronic flirt. Instigates shenanigans. Loves to play the victim. A lot of them do tend to be quite impulsive. They don't tend to think before acting. Sometimes they don't tend to think before they speak. <laughs> Very frustrating for some of us. They can be quite demanding, and a lot of their demands are very unrealistic, such as being able to read his or her mind. A lot of us have experienced that. I know I have. Because of your personality and narcissist, they tend to want everyone around him or her to know exactly what they need and exactly what they want and how they need it and how they want it. In other words, you deliver, and that's that. They're only interested in the source supply. So the cluster personality and the narcissist can be quite demanding, highly emotional, okay? That's self-explanatory. Seductive, yes, they can put on the charm. And before you know it, you have done something that really you didn't want to do in the first place. They can con you into doing things that you really had no intentions of doing in the first place. 
So yes, the cluster personality and the narcissist, they can be quite the charmer and they are very good at emotional manipulation. So that goes right into them being seductive. They know how to appeal to people in order to get the source supply. The tactics speaks over others. How many times have you spoken to the cluster personality and the narcissist and they interrupt and they talk over you because these two tactics here kind of go hand in hand. Not only do they speak over you, but they interrupt you without remorse, without, it, it just, it's almost like they can't wait for you to be quiet so they can say what they have to say. And sometimes their facial expressions portray that, <laughs> you know, and chronic flirts. Yes, they can be quite the flirt. And sometimes they will look at you like there's something wrong with you if you call them on it. Just, just let's just say this is your spouse or someone that you've been romantically involved with or this is your sexual partner. They will look at you like you have three heads if you call them on being very flirtatious. They see nothing wrong with this, mainly because they're trying to obtain new source supply. Some of us already know this now because the relationship is over. So now we can think back and say, uh-huh, yeah, all the time they were flirting with this other person or these other individuals, they were trying to get source supply, new source supply, because a lot of cluster personalities and a lot of narcissists, they like to have more than one sexual partner. That's why I say some of us have learned that, yeah, we can, we, we can reflect now and say, yeah, now I know why that person was flirting with all these people. And when I called them on it, they got defensive. <laughs> yeah, because they were trying to set up new source supply because they knew it was only a matter of time before you would wake up and the relationship would end. Loves to play the victim and instigates shenanigans. Yeah, first they would do something and then they would play the victim card. It wasn't their fault. They had to do it. So they would instigate something. You know, they would instigate the shenanigans, the drama, the chaos. They'll instigate it and they'll sit back and get some amusement out of it. But as soon as you call him or her on it, they will play the victim card. <laughs> okay, a lot of us have gone through this. Whenever we try to attempt to hold them accountable for anything that they do, doesn't work because narcissists they really 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 don't get it they don't get why we're upset when they do or say something that really really hurts that really pissed us off they really don't get it so whenever we try to hold them accountable for anything it's really uh you know doesn't go anywhere it pretty much falls on deaf ears and it's like hitting a brick wall doesn't happen so narcissists the second point is narcissists, they lack a sense of responsibility, okay? So since they lack the sense of responsibility, they're not going to even acknowledge that they've done anything to hurt anyone. They're, they're not. So lacking a sense of responsibility, that's the second point. That's another reason why they use the victim mentality and they don't give it up. It works very well for them. Right? So my third and final point is narcissists, when they, it, it, let's put it like this. Codependents, enablers, let me go down the list. Enablers, 
codependents, empaths, people pleasers. These four people, these four types of people are the people that narcissists usually find very appealing. So they usually try to link up with them. And when they do the victim mentality, these four types of individuals, they usually deliver. What do I mean by that? They feel sorry for the narcissist. When the, start, when the, when the tears start flowing and, and the narcissist starts saying, well, oh, you know, woe is me. The, unfortunately, these four types of individuals, they have beautiful traits. The narcissist usually use those traits as a weapon against them via victim mentality. There you go. The, the narcissist is telling you his or her sad, sob story. And unfortunately, those of us who have a, a more capacity to nourish, to support, to love, and to care for other people, the narcissist eats that up like candy. So they use the victim mentality and they do it every time. I think most of you looking at this video, you can probably think of at least one incident where a narcissist has use the victim mentality. And unfortunately, because you didn't quite see the narcissist for, he or she, for him or her or who they were, you went on and you felt sorry for them. And you maybe even supported them, right? Before the fall cleared, and then you can see, oh my gosh, this person is not as helpless as they led me to believe, right? So yes, the victim mentality works very well for the narcissist. So yeah, they do not give it up. <laughs> Unfortunately, it works too damn well for them. So nar narcissists, because again, of their, their traits, their characteristics, the way they are, they learn very early that victim mentality, yes, is uh, something that they do not want to give up. They learn how to be like a victim very early in life and they just keep on, they run with it. First tool. Take steps to ask for help or support from an outside source. Next tool, get clear on what you want for your life. Last and final tool, practice self-preservation, emotional discipline, personal boundaries, and assertion.
than likely a person who is notorious for being manipulative, controlling, and a deceiver. Now, I want to go over what thirsty means. Now, I looked this up in the Urban Dictionary, okay? But a lot of us already have heard this particular word and pretty much know what it means. It means someone who is desperate for attention, someone who's too eager to get something from someone else. It could be money, sex, material things, whatever, what have you, okay? This can be anything. A person is thirsty when he or she shows that they're too eager and they are very desperate for attention. Second point, due to their predatory natures with an obsession to keep his or her false self-image thriving, narcissists are not trustworthy, therefore will do and or say whatever is necessary to obtain narcissistic supply. Now, I don't know about you all who are watching. This sounds like a thirsty individual to me. So the narcissist can absolutely be a person who's thirsty, all right? <laughs> Let's move on to the next point. This makes for the narcissist to be overly dependent upon others for his or her needs and or desires, which means they have codependent tendencies. Codependency encourages people to become thirsty or desperate for attention from others. All right, now let's talk about narcissists who display codependent tendencies. They can be quite controlling. Moving in haste or too quickly in the beginning of a relationship. Jealous, obsessive, disrespectful, but demand respect from others. Inability and or unwillingness to communicate needs and desires. Financial abuse and or mismanaging finances. Energy vampires. Signs of a codependent relationship. Passive, indecisive, dominant, controlling, enmeshment, addiction, obsession, emotional and or cyber bullying, financial abuse. Okay, so these are signs of a codependent relationship. So we're not talking about just one particular person here. We're talking about a relationship that consists of two people, which involves one person, who is passive and the other is dominant. Narcissists tend to be the taker, while the codependent tends to be the pleaser. So we're talking about a codependent relationship, not necessarily one person. So these are the things or the themes that go on in a codependent relationship. So what's the theme of a relationship? What's actually going on? Okay, it could be somebody who is being controlling. That's the theme of the relationship. Someone who's being dominant. They like to take over and call the shots in the relationship. That's the theme of the relationship. Someone can be obsessed. Someone can be uh, an addict. It can be a food, sex, money, you know, drugs. They can be addicted to a lot of things. They can be addicted to having relationships that are dysfunctional.
First tool, take time out to obtain solitude. Having some time to yourself while becoming accustomed to experiencing silence may prove to be a real game changer. Choosing to meditate does not necessarily only entail that one sits in a yoga position while repeatedly stating OM. Okay, this is so true. <laughs> so taking some time out to obtain solitude. I can tell you from experience that once you become accustomed to experiencing silence, that means reduced noise in the background. That's what that is. It is a game changer. Because a lot of dysfunctional relationships are not relationships where you can enjoy solitude. In other words, you don't enjoy peace of mind. You really can't hear your own thoughts because you're surrounded by people who are all about the drama. This is real life. This is real talk here. Some people are very accustomed to having very volatile and dysfunctional relationships with a lot of people. So... This particular tool is really going to be not only a game changer, but I'm just going to forewarn you, it's going to be a challenge. Because how do you come from noise to trying to enjoy silence? There are two opposites. There's your contrast. You have noise and then you have silence. How do you come from one to the other? It's going to be an adjustment. Are you committed to your healing? That's the rhetorical question I have for everyone watching. Are you committed to your healing to the point where you will take time out for solitude? Keep a journal. By recording your life experiences, this more than likely will give you a clearer picture of who you are. How you perceive your experiences has more to do with your true identity than those experiences. How you choose to resolve your personal challenges has more to do with your true identity than the challenges. You are not the narcissist. So there's a lot of creative ways that you can keep a journal. You don't have to place pen to pad. So by keeping a journal, writing it down or speaking out about it will place a lot of things into a clearer perspective for you. Let's move forward. Consider your subconscious mind. Many children are groomed to behave codependently which teaches one how to sacrifice themselves and please others who may have a predatory nature. You have probably been experiencing an identity crisis for a very long time. Changing the programming within your subconscious mind may prove to be a game changer. So study and research the subconscious mind. 